0: Hi, and welcome to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. Please join us as we explore how you can enjoy a happier life and a fulfilling career, things that aren't always that easy in our modern world.
1: We'll be taking a look to how you can explore well-being both inside and outside the workplace, how to prevent burnout, how to achieve true happiness in work and life, and so much more, so stick around. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on the Thriving with Sarah and Jenny podcast. This is an exciting episode because we're going to be talking about the fifth and final petal of the (laughs) new framework of mental health and well-being as described by the U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murphy. So, Sarah, what is this petal all about Oh, so
0: I really love that this is the final petal, because I feel like for various reasons, everything else is such a foundational aspect, isn't it? Of thriving at work with the things that we want to talk about all the time, of thriving in our lives. And then it's almost like that is the seed. You're planting the seed, you've got water, you've got sunshine, you've got nourishment. And this opportunity of growth is where that all comes together, that you have to allow people that space, that time, that support and allow them to grow. And I think for our listeners, in terms of how this works in organizations, this is so critical. This is coming back as one of the number one reasons people are leaving their workplaces right now, the number one thing people are looking for in their work. It's incredibly important for the the younger generations. So this opportunity for growth, opportunity to learn things, and and the other side of it. So the two needs that sit within this are learning and accomplishment. Um, And anyone who's a regular listener knows that recognition, being seen, celebrating what we do, celebrating how we accomplish things is so critically important to all of the foundations of what we truly believe makes someone thrive personally I think and at work it's just such an exciting topic and I think it's so important learning is on one of my strengths my Gallup strength so I love learning um, <laughs> uh, so it also really gets me fired up and excited how about you Jenny what's your what's your biggest sense for this
1: one well it's a me too moment <laughs> I am slightly addicted to learning new stuff. <laughs> I'm like the magpie who's attracted to bright, new, shiny things. Oh, my gosh. I love <laughs> new ideas, concepts. Having my existing thinking challenged mm, because yes. we know so much and sometimes we have to, um, in order to learn, this is something that Amy yeah. Edmondson, the Harvard yes. professor, who talks about psychological safety, said recently. She said the biggest obstacle to learning is when you know. Mm, Oh my gosh, right?
0: Confirmation bias and all that fun (laughs)
1: stuff. (laughs) As somebody who is insatiably curious, because I love learning new stuff, for me, I see this as a critical skill that we all need Mm. in the future of work in order to fully flourish. Because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you come into a role with certain skill sets, you're good at what you do, But if you're never given the opportunity to further develop, to learn or upskill more than what you can do now, you're actually going backwards because Mm -hmm. the pace of change, as we know, is so fast. Yes, yes. It's actually a critical workplace need to have people able to continually upskill and update Mm -hmm. what they currently know. So learning is an ongoing thing. We're never static, And I, I realized some time ago that, you know, in the world of medicine, you never know it all because it changes so fast. ooh,
0: Ooh, I like that, Jenny. Yeah. You must have that mindset, I'm assuming, because every year they're discovering new things and new ways. And what you used to, I'm sure, rely on as a treatment could very easily become out of date, I would guess, and go, actually, that's completely wrong. (laughs) Very much so.
1: Yeah. Keeping abreast of current trends, um, new ideas, Mm. requires us to be open to exploring, trying out, because not everything that we come across or learn is going to be useful to us, but it's about being able to take it on board quite quickly and then filter out what's most relevant to us. Mm.
0: So I think if you're in a
1: workplace that supports the ongoing learning Mm because that's what's going to lead to more innovation and creativity. And that's that's also an essential for workplaces that want to do great work. Yeah, and want to have changed. I get very excited about learning. Yeah. If you're ever stuck in a job where it's the same old, same old, it's boring. Mm-hmm. If you're having to ask for opportunity all the time, you don't feel anybody cares about you because why don't they ask? Why don't they get engaged? Yeah. Finding out, you know, what, what are your aspirations? and where do you see yourself, uh, you know, if you're continuing on in the same organization? Well, and, and that thing about like a, a
0: leader almost as a guide, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about the best leaders I'd worked with. And so often we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. But it's so wonderful to have someone who sees you, sees something that you do, and in a mentor guide type fashion shows you a different path. Yeah. That there is an opportunity that you don't necessarily know. You know, have you seen that path over there? Mm. And it might work for you, it might not, but having someone who can direct you to be thinking about things. And the other thing that came up for me when you were saying that is my yes and is I I think it's really important in the report, they talk about learning is not just the acquiring of new skills in an intellectual capacity you know, because that's what we traditionally think, isn't it? Um, but you have social. You can learn how to be more social, how to improve relationships, how people communicate, all those other kinds of things. You've got professional. As you said, as a doctor, one of the things you might have to learn how to do is to let go of the things you thought you knew, <laughs> you know, yes. like in a professional capacity. What are the things yeah. as a, in your profession that you need to be learning? And then emotional growth, which is something that I think is still lacking in the workplace. I think there's a lot more talk about it, which is a good first step. But, you know, the hows, the whys, how do you help people who are less emotionally intelligent learn safely, practice practice those skills in the workplace? So that, yes, whilst I love learning intellectually, I think it's a broader concept and it's nice to explore. You might be a subject matter expert,
1: but that might not be all the things you need to learn. Absolutely. And I think you, you've you highlighted a very important aspect here because this is part of the framework for mental health and well-being. Mm-hmm. Mental health and well-being isn't just about what we know about anxiety, depression, and stuff like that. Yeah. It's It's about a greater understanding of self, yeah. Like you say, it's having the emotional intelligence, it's having the communication skills, it's having the ability to reflect, it's the capacity to really uh collaborate and relate with other people mm. to gain greater understanding, to broaden perspective and um do do better in, in many aspects of our total health and well-being. Yes. It's, learning. Yeah. it's critical I brought as you say, course, a whole broad array of different facets. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important as well, because we've been talking so much about
0: learning, because obviously we love that, but the other side of that is accomplishment, right? And this is, you know, when we set ourselves a goal or we're trying to achieve something that it's so critically important that we stop and acknowledge that we have achieved a thing, Mm. Um, whether it's something we set out to or something we accidentally did or something that is a byproduct, right? This... yeah. Um, has a huge impact and accomplishment. It says in the study, it confers a sense of competence that reduces stress, anxiety, and self doubt. So this is part of that. Why is it important for well being? Yeah, my experience is in organizations, we so often forget to stop and reflect on those accomplishments. We get a thing done and then we start on the next thing, and and when you have that constant growth right? It's like building up muscles. If you don't have rest, then you injure yourself. And the same is true, I think, for our minds. If we stretch ourselves by learning and learning and learning without a sense of accomplishment or a sense of reflection or pause, then we don't have that positive benefit of the reduction of stress, the reduction of anxiety, the ability to believe that we have achieved
1: these things. And when you think about the level of self-doubt, oh, And anxiety and uncertainty that we hear about in so many workplaces. Mm -hmm. If you have undertaken some training under or done a project or something like that, and your completion of that has led to your work being recognized and acknowledged, so you feel like you've accomplished that it's like getting graded in, in judo, isn't it? Mm. Start off with you. I think you start off with a white belt and you work your way up. <laughs> I don't the, know about uh, that.
0: yes, yes, sure. <laughs> yes. Someone someone please mention us in the comments and let us know which colour you go to. Yeah, which <laughs> colour
1: are you? And we know whether we can play safely with you or not. But you know, if we've got our belt on, because we have accomplished a certain level mm. of competency, it does. It makes us feel we're more relaxed. Because, yes, yeah. I've I've been noticed as being competent in this space so I can yeah. Sort yeah. Of not have to worry that I'm not good enough or think I'm an mm-hmm. imposter or all this sort of stuff that we otherwise sort of bombard our heads with all day long. So accomplishment yeah. is, is a very important part of, of the learning piece. And I guess that's why we put ourselves through all this training and all this learning, and it's not just to get a little piece of paper. It's 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 bigger than that. Yeah. Although I'm not saying no to the little piece of paper, you know, to say, you know, you pass and you... No, it's nice. It's an acknowledgement.
0: Yeah, but I like what you described that as well, because one of the pieces that they suggest that you do is this clear and equitable pathway for career advancement. And this is something that I find consistently lacks clarity. Mm -hmm. People are motivated. People want to move forwards. And I think when you do say a, a martial arts like you described and you pass this it's really clear you i need to be able to do these skills and and you know show this thing and uh, demonstrate it and all the and so you're very clear you know everyone who is going to pass this belt color has to have achieved these things again my experience in organizations is it's much less clear what you need to do to progress And then when you've done that, how it's recognized and supported. And there are things like, well, you have to have done the thing before you can get the accomplishment and you have to, you know, it all seems a bit wishy-washy. So I think we've come back to clarity multiple times, haven't we? But really clear signposting for people to know where they can go. And then they will often go and do that themselves. Yep, that's right. But without yeah. the clarity, it doesn't feel safe. We go right, as soon as you lack that clarity, doesn't it? It goes
1: all the way back to that first petal of safety,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, and that's gone. Yeah. And I think another important point here is that it's vital that we, we don't introduce bias into these opportunities. Mm-hmm. Because... Mm-hmm how many workplaces have you seen where the high flyers are picked out and sort of funneled off into uh, an emerging leadership program or whatever you like to call it because they've been recognized as having special potential? Mm -hmm. My, My concern here is that that leaves other people who may also have their own needs and agendas and aspirations, they may not be leadership potential necessarily, but they've got other gifts, other strengths. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we need to be very mindful that everybody, like you say, has an equal opportunity to advance. Yeah.
0: This place. And that there are different paths, you know, that leadership is not the be all and end all, no, right, of an organization. Um, for those who love it and are talented and, and enjoy it, then wonderful. Or those who would like to explore it and learn about it, wonderful. But there are lots of other ways that you can be accomplished in your workplace and fulfilled in your work and everyone is different you know the things that fulfill us are different
1: yeah.
0: i think also the bias thing i i love that you mentioned that and i'll call it out we may even have had this conversation before but i don't have a degree um and it's a long story but i went to university and then personal circumstances meant that i didn't get to finish my degree and and I feel like I've been quite successful in my career and I'm quite happy with who I am. And I love learning and I look forward to a time in my life where I can go to university for the love of learning. But I am often surprised and when I was working for other organizations, I was often surprised by the requirement for a bachelor's degree in a certain field. Now, don't get me wrong. I think if you're a doctor, as you are, Jenny, yes, going and being a doctor is incredibly important. But many of the jobs that I have held, my experience and the degree I would have come out with wouldn't have necessarily given me any benefit, I think, to the job that I was doing. And, And one of the things that that can do because disadvantaged groups are underrepresented in universities. And we know this. And so you are raising the barrier to allowing those people yep. access to those jobs immediately. And I know when I was um, interviewing Arthur Woods about um, his new book about hiring for diversity, he he was saying that that's one of the easiest ways to lower the barriers to having a more inclusive policy is to get rid of the need for degrees when they are not required.
1: Exactly. And certainly here in Australia, and it's probably true, I imagine, in in the UK too, there are a number of quite large organisations that have chosen in the recruitment phases to have actually excluded the need. They're not interested so much in the academic qualifications. Yeah. Um, What they want is a much greater understanding of the person who's in front of them, what strengths, what passions do they bring to the role that, Mm. you know, enhance the company that they're hoping to to join. And I think this is a very holistic approach and I think will help employers ensure that they do get, you know, because people always talk about the right fit, you know, getting the right person for the right job. But it it does remove that barrier. And I think... Mm. The, the thing about having a sort of resume showing, well, I've got all these degrees and... Yeah, degrees and yeah. And, and there's those nothing wrong like, with those, by the way. I would love nothing, to be one right. of those There's, people, there's nothing but- wrong with them, <laughs> um, especially if you love learning and taking exams. But really, yeah. it's a reflection of your ability to take exams and to pass them. And not yeah. everybody shares that same love <laughs> or desire. Or ability. Them. They have other strengths. Yes, yeah,
0: yeah. And it's the opportunity for growth, right? And so when you put things in the way that prevent people from getting started, and they think, oh, well, I could never. Mm. There's a lack of opportunity there. So I think that all of those things combine. And I love what you said about because Henry Stewart in his book talks about this, if you interviewed, and I think he used David Beckham and... And someone else who was a football pundit, if you interviewed them about their ability to talk about how well they played football, potentially the football pundit would be the one who you gave the job to. Yeah. Because you're asking them questions about how they do something. So what you're actually observing is their ability to speak about what they do, not their ability to do what they do. And so it's really, I think, quite relevant to think about when you're looking at for people, how do they do the things that you want them to? Or how do they show aptitude for the skills of the future job? You know, is it they're really good at learning, so you think they could learn it? Or have they shown you that they just do the thing? without having any qualification at all. So I think it's such an interesting
1: concept. The final aspect of um, the accomplishment piece, uh, as outlined by Murphy, is the need for positive feedback and relevant feedback and trustworthy feedback. We may have talked about positive feedback before. (laughs) We have (laughs) talked about feedback before. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, we will probably talk again on feedback. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. But it... I guess, again, with workplace health and well-being, yeah. if the feedback is coming from somebody that you trust, mm-hmm. that you've got a good relationship with, mm-hmm. that you know gets you, understands you, and will support you, but also share the truth, yeah, then that is helpful feedback. Yes. Because yes. you don't want somebody just to say, oh, you're wonderful, Sarah. You're just brilliant at everything you do, which, you know, nice to hear, but does not it's not helpful.
0: No, and and probably I find, I don't know about you, Jenny, but the older I get, the less that feels
1: authentic to me. Yeah. I would much rather somebody told me the truth, but I'm, yeah. I'm much more likely to actually listen to it <laughs> when it comes from a trusted source. And I think that's where absolutely having somebody that you respect, look up to, Uh, admire because you Mm -hmm. see that they've got certain qualities that you share or values that you share then I think that can be helpful absolutely I think a lot of the other feedback where it's just a 360 from people that you really don't know and they don't know know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) well that thing about positive feedback is it's got to be right specific absolutely you know genuine really specific because and again what does that do in terms of fostering that trust is I see you and I see what you do well and I am acknowledging that. Yeah. And I think there's a converse thing which I've come across a few times working with strengths and people's strength finders is – sometimes you need to share with people that you see their strengths, which are the things they do naturally without even trying. So Mm -hmm. to them, if you praise them for that, they feel like what everyone does that. It's totally normal. (laughs) So you have this other piece of like, it's not normal for everyone to do that thing. This is, they don't see what they do as special because they're in their zone of genius. And so it's just very simple for them. And so, yeah giving them that feedback so they understand that your praise is not lip service. It is really they're potentially unaware of how incredible the impact they're having is. It's something that I come across quite often when you praise someone for something that they do naturally. It doesn't Mm. feel like praise for them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And taking that one step further is when, you recognize that they have some additional strengths what they call the, the unrecognized unlisted yes. strengths Yes. and drawing those to an individual's mm-hmm. attention can be very powerful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because uh, again it's it's we don't know what we don't know so oh my gosh yeah what we may have noticed about that person and saying well do you realize that you're actually really good at this and they may never have considered that to be something that they were particularly good at. And I think, you know, sharing that absolutely is, is very empowering. Absolutely. Very useful too. Yeah,
0: those things can, if I think back in my career when someone has seen me like that and shared that with me. Yeah. Those are some of the most impactful conversations that give, give you pause or gave me pause for real deep reflection and. And that real sense of being seen and of, I guess, feeling valued yeah. and having opportunity, right? Because someone has seen how I can grow. They've seen the flower I can turn into when maybe I couldn't. When you're still under the ground, it's really hard to see that the sun is shining.
1: <laughs> so I think we both agree, don't we? That growth is an essential part of the human beings that we are. Yeah, and we continue to grow throughout our lives. We are not a caterpillar that stays a proverbial caterpillar. We are a caterpillar who evolves and turns into a butterfly. And we go about doing all our butterfly things and then we move on again. So I think yeah, recognizing that uh, growth is part and parcel of what makes us human yeah
0: and it's a process right and the opportunity for growth you know creating the environment where people can fail where they can stretch but also then they can come back and recover so that they're not they're not growing to the extent that they're then injured right so it's all these things and throughout our lives I think as well that support for how people grow and and as you said Jenny that kind of flow of their lives Mm. um there are times perhaps when you don't have the capacity for as much growth. And maybe those are the times when doing that really boring, you know, putting the the knob on the toothpaste is just what, that's just what you need. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right.
1: That's exactly right. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And yeah, allowing people to have the space in the conversation for what do they need for helping them identify their needs, right? Because they might not necessarily know that. So I think those are all really, really interesting conversations. So I guess this wraps up our five petals of this framework. Nice. Yes. It's such a lovely one to end on. Um, But I'd love to know from any of our listeners, what is the petal for you that is the most standout or the one that maybe you are missing? How could you get more of it? How do you keep looking back into it? And I'm sure we'll come back to this and and dig into different things at different times, Jenny. Um, Yes.
1: Yeah, because the petals all support each other too. I mean, we, we don't sort of mm-hmm. deal with them all completely separately. They're all intertwined. And Very much. It is, I yeah. think it's an excellent framework, and I can see how useful this will be yeah. as we move forward into 23 and beyond in establishing really healthy, thriving workplaces. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> We're both grateful today. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you again with us next time on a podcast on Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. See you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. We hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it.
0: And you can always get involved in the well-being conversation at all of our social links in the show notes. Until next time, stay safe, stay happy, and thrive in whatever you do.